0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. i been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I've probably mentioned this before, but over the years, when I used to do face-to-face workshops. See, the online program that I have now was originally back in 1996 and 97, a three-day workshop. Then I became a little better at it and it was a two-day workshop. And eventually it was a one-day workshop, but what's in the online program (laughs) is an awful lot more than what was in all my previous workshops put together. But anyway, what I was about to say was when I used to do face-to-face workshops, there might be half a dozen people around in a circle sitting in somewhere like Milltown Golf Club in Dublin. Some of you might be familiar with that place where I was in residence any time I did those programs. But people would book those programs, book and pay for the three days and then not turn up. I said book and pay, and they weren't inexpensive, quite the opposite. It cost about three times what the online programme costs nowadays. But people would book and pay and then not turn up. And obviously I'd follow them up and ask them, why didn't you turn up? And Some people would make up all kinds of weird and wonderful excuses. <laughs> As a complete aside, I recollect one lady who booked the programme, now, she hadn't paid for it, but about a week before she was due to turn up in Milltown Golf Club, I got a handwritten letter in the post. Now, I, it was about 2000, the year 2000, and you don't get too many handwritten letters in the post. The handwritten letter explained to me that her husband wouldn't let her do the programme. Isn't that interesting? Perhaps he was afraid that she might change. Perhaps he was afraid she might wake up and discover who she really was. Perhaps he was, like most normal crazy people, afraid, full stop. But as I was saying a minute ago, a lot of people would book for the two or three day program and not turn up. Some of them would make up weird and wonderful excuses. Others would be honest and say, I'm not ready for it. I thought I was ready for it, but I'm afraid that if I discover who I am, I might lose some of the friends that I hang around with, I might change so much that people who are important to me don't want to be with me anymore. In other words, they were afraid of what other people think of them. Over the years, so many people have said to me, I worry about what other people think of me. I worry about what my colleagues at work think of me. I worry about what my neighbours think of me, the people in the golf club, the people in the tennis club often they don't express it that way they express it in a slightly different way by saying I'm not sure for example when I chair a meeting of the social committee in the golf club yeah this stuff is important to some people I'm not sure that I'm making the right impression you see it's the same thing just expressed in a different way am I making the right impression with other people am I making a fool of myself in front of other people what do other people think of me I worry about what others think of me my answer has, for 27 years, more than 27 years, has always been the same. Don't worry about what other people are thinking about you, because they're not. They're worrying about what you think of them. Yet, we're all shadow boxing and dancing around in a reality tainted, actually poisoned by thought. The thoughts, first of all, of what I think about myself. How I feel about myself, and then the thoughts about how others feel about me. Now, when I worry about what other people think of me, it is born out of what I think of myself. Because if I was completely at peace with myself, comfortable in my own skin. And I'm not talking about self-confidence, I'm talking about something bigger, grander and deeper and more real than self-confidence. We might come back to the whole idea of self-confidence in a minute. But if I were completely comfortable in my own skin, if I were in flow, what other people think of me, those thoughts would never cross my mind because I just am. I am doing what I'm doing. I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm putting my best foot forward all of the time. I'm tripping through my day effortlessly, or as I said to somebody a few months ago, dancing through my day with the effortlessness of a prima ballerina. I'm just doing my thing. Now, if other people don't like my thing, That's their problem. It's not my problem. If other people think this, that or the other of me, I don't care. It's not my problem. I'm just doing my thing. And if I'm in flow, I know I'm doing the right thing. Now, we maybe we need to talk about selfishness as well as self-confidence. Let me come back to that in a minute, because that sounds a little conceited. I'm doing my thing and it doesn't matter what other people think of me. No, it's all about flow. It's all about state of mind. And as we know from previous conversations, it's all about the attitude that I bring to the party that is my life. But, if I'm using my mind normally, I'm using my mind on automatic pilot. And that means, for starters, without being aware of it, I am thinking about how I feel about myself. It's actually worse than that. I'm thinking about who I think I am, thinks about who I think I am, I'm not thinking about myself at all, because I don't know myself. Because if I am using my mind on automatic pilot, I'm judging myself moment to moment on the basis of how I learned to judge myself when I learned everything I think I know about myself. And I was young and impressionable. And as we've said before, particularly during the third year of our lives. So let me come back to what I said a minute ago when people say to me, I'm worried about what other people think of me. No, you're not. Who you think you are thinks. That you are worried about who you think you are, thinks about who other people think they are in that moment. We're we're three or four or five, we could be dozens of steps removed from reality because of the convoluted way we cognitively appraise the reality before our very eyes and ears and nose. When I develop self awareness as a result of developing, awareness as a result of practicing meditation i begin to become aware of first of all what's going on in my own head it's a step-by-step process so one of the first steps we encounter is that we realize there is a lot of noise in my head the noise was always there But as I become aware and as I become self-aware, I am aware of how when I allow my normal mind run on automatic, I am aware of the incredible amount of junk in my own head. And as I further develop my ability to be present in the moment through the practice of meditation, I become aware of thoughts that are so random, so way out, that it's impossible to know how they even got in there in the first place. Now, the probability is that they got in there before the shutters of so-called childhood amnesia came down on our lives in the fourth year of our lives. It's a self-preservation mechanism, a psychological self-defense mechanism to ensure that people can't get back into your head in a way that would mess with who you think you are. The problem for people using their mind normally on automatic pilot is they can't get back in there either and as a result of that the whole i was going to say the whole crap show keeps keeps going forward oh uh, you know what i was about to say when we begin to become aware we begin to become aware of that and we begin to become aware of the madness of what we think about ourselves moment to moment those thoughts become amplified magnified it's like as if somebody has turned up the sound on the dialogue in our own head the more aware we become because obviously we're becoming increasingly aware of what has actually been going on underneath our awareness when we were using our mind normally in the ordinary cut and thrust of a normal-minded day People often say to me, my mind is becoming noisier, or as somebody said to me a couple of months ago, are my 70,000 thoughts worse than everybody else's because my mind is shouting at me? And I said to him, no, first of all, you're not unique. You're not even special. Everybody is afflicted by the 70,000 thoughts, according to the Neural Lab in UCLA, that whiz through our head every waking day. In other words, for about 18 hours a day. It's just as I said to my friend, your thoughts aren't worse than anybody else's. You're just very good at paying attention to them. And in fact, as you have begun to deepen your awareness and your self awareness, you're becoming more aware of those thoughts and it feels to you like they are amplified. But this is a process, it's it's almost like a rite of passage. You have to realise through your own developing awareness and self-awareness that this noise in your head runs deep. It runs very deep indeed. And it impacts, or used to impact when you were running on automatic pilot, every waking moment of your life. And the reason I say it's a rite of passage is that we really have to crawl through on all fours that muck in our own heads to come out the other end cleansed. because it is in the realization and the awareness of the noise in our own head that we come to realize that who we thought we were isn't real known in psychology as the conceptual self a description that beautifully sums up the mad person, the mad aunt or uncle in our attic, the person who's shouting at us, the person who knows nothing about nothing, who's shouting at us. He or she isn't real. He or she is an amalgam of all the so-called psychological snapshots that we took about ourselves. And believe about ourselves because they were so deep and so formative and so embedded and ingrained and impressed upon our subconscious mind. So I talked right at the beginning about making the wrong impression or being afraid that I mightn't be making the right impression. When we're using our minds normally on automatic pilot, we're replaying the impression that we've always had about ourselves, since childhood, that isn't real. We wake up through meditation and the regular practice of meditation. Regular, by the way, being the key word there. We wake up. As we wake up, we become aware of this madness. The more aware of the madness we become, the more amplified the madness appears to be. But it's, it's, only, it's only apparent to us as a result of our waking up and as a result of realising all this crap was going on in my head. And what? I wasn't aware of it? And then you come out the other end cleansed. What modern neuroscience tells us is that with regular meditation, the parts of the brain that restructure themselves what I have referred to before as our doing brain, the bit of our brain that does exactly what we need to do to get to where we want to go and forgets all of the other nonsense that goes on in our head. The subcortical brain, the insula, the amygdala and the hippocampus. What modern neuroscience has told us is that through regular meditation, these parts of the brain restructure themselves in a way so that the 70,000 thoughts in our head are formative programming, Our conceptual self gradually fades into the background and may rear his or her ugly head only once in a while. The deeper I go into being with who I really am, experiencing who I really am, what I really am, energy flowing in the moment. As I move down this continuum, as I follow the process, as I regularly meditate and therefore further develop my own awareness and self-awareness, I become increasingly at peace with who I actually am, which is so different from trying to become confident about who I thought I was. The whole idea of self-confidence. You see the difference? Night and day, chalk and cheese, completely different thing altogether. So therefore, when I become completely at peace with who I actually am, I can do my thing and it doesn't matter what other people think of me because there's a 96% chance that the other people I am experiencing the moment with aren't there. They are using their minds normally, saying to themselves, I wonder what he thinks of me. They're not aware of how they think about themselves or what they feel about themselves. They're trying to bolster their own concocted self-image, their conceptual self-image. They're trying to bolster it by getting some of the other person's approval, some of the other person's attention some of the other person's energy to shore up their own perceived inadequacies. Yes, we all learned about ourselves, and, and in later life, the more aware we become, we realized that what we learned during our formative years was a series of perceptions, imaginations, if you will, judgments, misjudgments, prejudgments stuff that made us feel bad about ourselves when we were young and impressionable, that made and left the wrong kind of impression on ourselves. So that when in our adult lives, We started using our mind on automatic pilot. And I think everybody has to go through that process. You see it happening with teenagers as their minds close down after the onset of puberty and after they move into this world of automaticity, as cognitive psychology calls it, as they move into this world of never learning anything new about themselves. And all the teenage angst that you will have read about, you may be experiencing it with your children at the moment, you may recollect teenage angst yourself it isn't that you're learning anything new about yourself you're trying to fit the square peg of who you thought you were into the round hole of the gang or tribe you'd like to hang around with or with whom you identify throughout your teenage years it's a it's again it's part of a process of getting into a tribe and staying in a herd because in evolutionary times there was safety in numbers, it was safe to run with the herd. And because it is safe to run with the herd, people, when they think they're ready to take the plunge to begin to discover their own true potential, can often pull back from the brink at the last minute and say to themselves, ooh, I'm fearful of stepping away from the herd. I'm fearful of going on this three-day workshop to discover who I really am because I might be thrown out of the herd of the friends that I hang around with at the moment. I recollect one particular girl saying to me many years ago, um, this was a lady who took 18 months between paying for the three-day workshop and actually turning up on it. I remember having a conversation with her just after lunch on the second day of the three-day workshop And I asked her to explain in more detail why it had taken her so long. And she said she hung around with a group of people. She played bridge with these people. She went on holidays with these people. And they were her friends. And what if, as a result of her discovering her true potential and discovering that who she thought she was, her conceptual self, isn't who she actually is in reality, would she lose some of those friends? I was talking to her on an advanced workshop about 18 months after her initial three-day workshop. And she said the people who weren't her friends, who she thought were her friends, simply and effortlessly drifted away. There was no need for her to worry that there might be some fracturing, that there might be some kind of breakup with some of her friends. There was no need for her to worry about losing people who in the end, turned out not to be her friends at all. They had nothing in common with her other than the fact that they might have been looking for somebody to go on holidays with because they needed the attention and the approval and the energy of other people. The more I was going to say come to terms with, but that, that's a cognitive process. Now, the more we actually simply experience who we are, and very often people will experience that first through regular meditation, but the more we experience who we actually are in the little nows, when we, as many people have said to me, surprise ourselves as a result of doing something that our conceptual self told us that we thought we couldn't do, or were fearful of doing or saying you know people uh, uh, this is not an aside this is very important because the more f- present i become the more in flow i become the more i say and do just what i need to do and people as i said a moment ago have often said to me i surprised myself or i amazed myself because i thought i couldn't say that to the other person i worried about what the other person would think of me if i'd said something like that But listen to what they said to me. I thought I couldn't say that. I was worried, which is a thought, about what the other person would think of me. That all fades away when you're in flow. And it is in those moments that you discover who you really are. It is in those moments that you realise how important it is to turn up to your life moment to moment as you not as somebody that you thought you were. It is in those moments that you realize, yes, I am right to do my thing. And it doesn't matter what other people think of me. This is so the opposite of selfish. Because in essence, when I am in that state of mind, when I am in that kind of flow, I am fully present for the other person. So if I surprise myself by saying something that my conceptual self thought I wouldn't get away with saying or I might offend the other person, I'm actually doing the right thing. And perhaps my presence will raise the presence and self-awareness of the other person in the conversation or the other people in the room. Let's reflect on that for a moment because We all, at some point in our lives, have been in the presence of somebody with presence. Somebody who is attractive. Somebody who it's good to be around. Somebody who walks into a room and you notice them straight away because they raise the mood in the room. They raise everybody up that little bit. People with presence. Presence simply means being present. Being present simply means being in flow without a thought just doing what you're doing to get to where you want to go just doing the right things and obviously avoiding doing the wrong things saying the right things and avoiding saying the wrong things sometimes it's better to say nothing but being present and aware and self-aware enough to know what i'm doing without a care in the world and listen to that phrase, without a care in relation to what other people will think of me as a result of my doing what feels right because I've turned up and because I am aware. When I turn up like that, I am the person with presence. I am the person who is attractive to other people. And I begin to attract into my own orbit. The people who will be the next most important strangers in my life. We've talked about that before, only a couple of weeks ago. But I will also attract into my orbit the opportunities and the synchronicities that I need to enable myself effortlessly again, do and say the right things, so that I embrace those opportunities and synchronicities and move ever forward towards The life that is best for me. Not the life that my conceptual self thought would make me happy and successful. Now, there's a whole other episode in that, isn't there? You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough, called To Succeed... Just let go. And for more information, visit www.willie-portage.com.